boom, 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 boom. Hey, this is Brother D. And I'm Sister A. And welcome to the Praise Hallelujah Radio Show. Tonight we have our awesome guest in the house. He is the pastor of World Changers Church International. He's married to the lovely Taff, Pastor Taffy Dollar, who he yes. co-pastors with. He's the one and only Pastor Creflo Dollar. Hello, Pastor. Hello, sir. How are you guys? <laughs> we, As you see, we are right right now, all right? <laughs> A little bit. Hey, now, you know, God is good. That's all I can say right That's now. Right. Amen. That's right. Amen. Uh, you know, um, we, you know, we invited you on because we wanted to um, talk about some things that are happening in our lovely nation yeah. and, and in our, and, and our world. Amen. No, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, but uh, before we get started, we just want to ask you, like, how are you dealing with the pandemic in your household and uh, some of the things that you're doing? How are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, in our in our personal house or the house and the church. <laughs> oh, oh the, house the house and, and the church. church. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, to be honest with you, our schedule probably has picked up since the pandemic. Uh, I've I've not. This is the first time I've been grounded for thirty years. Um, no. You know, but at the same time, what we're doing, Taffy and I just decided to believe God. And uh, we went to him and say, well, what's the plan? Because when this hit, what do you do? We didn't know exactly what was going to happen. So our attitude was, you know what? If you want to keep everything uh, open, praise the Lord. If you want to close it, praise the Lord. Either way, we still have a personal relationship with you. Amen. So God gave us a plan. And uh, the first thing he said was, uh, use what I have given you to remain connective with your congregation and your church. And so um, what we're doing uh, now is every day we are exposing ourselves to our congregation. We have daily confessions uh, on all of the social media. We have uh, our Wednesday, we have all of our services that we would normally have, except we're just doing it virtually. So we have our Wednesday morning service. Taffy does that. Wednesday night, I do that. And then we're on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday doing confessions and a little short sermon. And then uh, Saturday service in New York. We come on as if we're in New York. And then Sunday, we come in from the dome as if we're in the dome and broadcast to the people. So uh, we're, we're doing everything that we would normally do and in fact, we have probably more of a touch with our congregation more now than we did when people were coming in in the building itself. So the objective for us is how can we continue to love them, care for them, feed them and connect with them uh, even more so. And you know what? It's been working. And so, you know, my advice to, to pastors is that you get before God, find out what he tells you to do, because what I'm doing might not work for somebody else. And what somebody else is doing might not work for me. And so and I have been practicing being a barefooted priest and just walking uh, very sensitively to what is the Lord saying for you to do? What did God tell you to do? And so it appears to be working. We uh put out phone calls, find out how people were doing. We sent out surveys, see how, what their comfort level was about, you know, coming to church and social distancing. So they've been a big part of those decisions that, uh, that uh, we have been making. But ultimately 
Uh, I tell our people, when we come back to church, I said, when God says so, I'm walking as a barefooted priest because one life is important to me. One. That's right. Yeah. That's so, right. so that's what's been happening. That, you know, Taff and I, we probably have done more cooking than we've ever done, uh, you know, <laughs> since we were married. I, I can't figure out how the garbage can you know, stays full all the time and all that stuff. <laughs> Amen. It's been good. Our, our kids uh, come and check on us. Uh, you know, they take turns. We got five of them. They come and check. Sometimes they come and cook dinner for us and do stuff like that. So it, it's pretty good. Wow. I didn't know you guys had five. Okay. I, yeah. I, I, must, I must have missed one coming in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You might have missed one. We adopted uh, our oldest son. And uh, yeah. yeah. So I've got two boys and three girls. Amen. Be- beautiful. And, and you hear the chimes going on. This is in real time. That's our son coming in here, knowing we're recording, but he still uh, okay. He has his key. It no, no matter how much, Pat. You know. Oh, I get it. My grandson just came in, but we he, his dad caught him before he rang the doorbell. So but we left the door open, so he wouldn't ring. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> we love our kids. We have three ourselves. Uh, we also have a because you have a Jordan. We have a Jordan as well. Yeah, we have a Jordan. Yeah. Amen. Just, she's our oldest. She's six foot one, and, yeah, yeah. and she runs the house. No. <laughs> Amen. So, um, so you know, thanks for sharing that with us. You know, we we, we really are, um, you know, ecstatic that you're here tonight. You know, just coming. You know, I wanted to talk about basically how our nation is functioning, yeah. and I wanted to talk about the pandemic. At it's two pandemics really going on to me right now, and it's one with the equality and is one with the, you know, with the, uh, with the virus. And, but starting off with the virus, I mean, uh, we see it affecting our finances, our relationships, and we also see it affecting our health moreover, you know, more so than every, anything. Um, what's the word that the body of Christ right now can speak to the world and to the church that can change their world immediately? Well, you know, I, there's only one word that comes to my mind to, to feel such an order, and that's Jesus. Uh, I, I believe that, um, you know, God is not going to ever allow something like this to happen without having a bigger plan afterwards. Amen. And I believe that we're in for the greatest move of God that we have that the earth has ever seen before. Amen. Uh, I think that this pandemic is really uh, tearing the faults faces off i think it's tearing away the fakeness it's tearing away the image building and people are now having to confront themselves in front of that mirror of truth uh there can no longer put a cover over over their over the wounds and over the brokenness and then produce that fake identity um i think that we're in a place right now where you know bible talks about everybody having an evil day well, you know, yeah, it's, it's an evil day for everybody right now. Yeah. So what are you made of? What 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 are you made of? What 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 defines you in this period? Amen. You can, you know, what are you doing throughout the epidemic? Are you getting better or worse? Are you being retooled? Uh, and is there a reset going on in your life? I really believe that this is an opportunity for the home church to begin to develop versus the building that we go to. We are the church. Amen. But, uh, you know, just because we're not going to the church building doesn't mean that you forget that you're the church. So 
what's happening with the mother, the father, the children? I think it's a reset. It's an opportunity to reset. It's an opportunity to retool. And what I'm looking forward to is that, um, you know, that our families are stronger now, that our relationships are stronger now. Amen. Uh, there's been a lot of things that's happened in the middle of the pandemic. Um, uh, domestic abuse was on the rise because yeah. of the pandemic. we had uh, just a lot of things because what happens is now you can't run out and do this and run out and do that. And you're confronted with, do I have a job? How are we going to pay the rent? All my money spent a little bit to buy some food. Baby need to pass you. Look, you got a light bill, dude. Your check bounced. And <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And, you know, Jesus is for me, uh, he's the game changer. It, it is a, it is a personal relationship with Jesus that can help you out of this. And and what I what I see, guys, is if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus right now, and the intimacy of that personal relationship with Jesus, you're in trouble. Because if all you had was a title or an image, but you didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus, we we can tell now. And so you ask that question and I and I and I and I, I have no other way to answer that except, you know, Jesus, because if it wasn't for the word of God and Jesus, I'd have lost my mind. I'd, I'd, I would have snapped. I went I would have went out, beat somebody up or shot somebody or did something like that. Yeah. I would yeah. have lost my mind if it were not for the word of God. But that word has produced the steadfastness, the patience, the stability that we need to do what needs to be done. And I know people think, well, it's just a religious answer. But hey, man, it's working. I'm going to stick with Jesus. I don't care if they call him white, pale. I don't care what color he is. It's the same Jesus that saved me, died for me, was raised for me, and I'm going to stick with him. Amen. 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 Um, that, that's that's a huge amen. Um, you, you know, it, it, one thing I love that you that you do, I just want to just break to this real fast, is your confession in the mornings. Yes, sir. Your confessions are they're, they're awesome because they're needed because you preach through the, even though you come from the Psalms 91, you pre, you confess through the lens of the New Testament, amen, through the new covenant. And can you just tell me real quick that confession, where did you get it from and, um, and, and how did that come about? Well, it came about out of my own life when God says, I want you to take what you do and share with everybody else and what happened I've been doing for almost 40 years Amen. is confessing the word of God. Amen. Uh, and so I actually take the confessions that I make. Um, uh, a lot of those confessions, Charles Caps wrote before he went home to be with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, so Charles' confession, and then the ones that Taffy and I wrote, and then as, as much as we can. And then sometimes I just I just do it out of my spirit, you know, just because I out of my spirit. But I really believe that when we load our mouth with the word of God and confess things, you know, if nothing else, you're going to feel better. You have yeah. day, you have released power. And it, it had, you know, I look forward to it probably more than the people who are online <laughs> waiting to do it because it's like, the only thing I did was hold off on my confessions at uh, six o'clock and wait to do it at 10 o'clock because I'm going to do it every day, regardless. So we thought, why not invite everybody in and, and let them become a part of something that we, we do in our everyday lives. And I didn't know how this was going to work, mm -hmm. but yeah. I got, well, I got people now saying, you can't stop this after this is over. We have been doing this yeah. on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday since March. 
Yeah, I, I catch you on uh, on Periscope every morning. I, you know, to get my confession in. Yeah, so yeah. I, um, I love it. I think it was just apropos to talk about that right now because people need part of us, you know, coping with the pan pandemic is you have to combat it with the Word of God. And I tell you, you know, just say, just get in and and, and join in. And, and um, you know, people who may not be Christians, come on in, everyone, just exactly. come in. And, and confess the word of God because God died for us even when we wasn't even thinking about him. So, right. That's right. so that's how we have to look at it. Yep. So um, my next question is, um, as a community, we all have to like, you know, breathe the same air. We all have to, you know, go to the same schools and, sh you know, frequently shop at the same places. But um, when is, you know, when do you see that we're doing, we see the numbers just shooting up right now. What do you think that we we should do right now to help that? You know, you know, from a church perspective, like what we should, where where should we find ourselves doing? Well, I'll start off by saying this: politics and a pandemic they don't mix. Amen. <laughs> yeah. When you politicize things in the middle of a pandemic, it, it's it's just it doesn't mix. Um, you know, when you're when you're looking at fighting this thing, you know. These are terms we've never used before. Social distancing. We we've never yeah, yeah, yeah. used that before. Um, but you know, we we saw what it was at the beginning, and then politics started mixing with it, and we're we're all but ignoring the fact that you're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, now, when you look at the the science behind everything, what we're trying to do is stop the spread through droplets that come out of your mouth when you speak. Amen. And so I do think it's very important that everybody comes together to wear a mask because not just for myself, but this is a real way to love your brother. Amen. It, I, 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 I think that's really big. I don't know why it's not mandatory everywhere. I think numbers will change. Yes. You're just looking at, you know, you know, wearing a mask and, you know, if you need to breathe, just let it down below your nose and, you know, put it back up. But I don't understand why that's a big deal. Somebody says, well, I have a constitutional right not to wear one. I, I'm not talking about your constitutional rights I'm, right now. I'm, more than I'm talking about just walking in love. Just Amen. You know, because I love you, I'm going to wear a mask because I don't want you to be concerned or anything, even though I know I'm I'm okay. I'm going to still wear it. I put it on around my staff just to make them feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, that. But I think we need to, you know, be intelligent as ministers of the gospel, pay attention to the numbers. Uh, we got to make our mind up that we're not so hungry to try to get the offering plates full that we make a bad decision mm -hmm. allow, and allow mammon to move us to do something. And we're not being careful to say, okay, well, can I honestly, assure you that I can provide safety for you when you come to the church. Amen. And if I can't honestly do that, then I'm not willing to take a chance with your life right. uh, for you to come in and, and to do that particular thing. Black people are more susceptible because the, you know, the inequalities in healthcare and Thank you. not being able to, you know, uh, deal with, uh, what's going on, the economic system. And so they have to buy food that probably may not be as healthy as, as someone else. And so it's not just the fact that, oh, you're black and you have high blood pressure or yeah. oh, black and you're obese. It's the inequalities that kind of yeah. will, will produce those kind of things. Exactly. And so at this particular point, as far as church is concerned, you know, uh, unless we 
get rid of the politics and stop mixing it with the pandemic. Uh, I don't see I don't see these numbers going down anytime soon. I uh, and then as a result of that, you know, I, I, you know, and somebody told me one time, well, if you had faith then you'd open your church, you know, no, it takes a lot of faith to keep it closed. <laughs> you know, it takes more faith to keep it closed. Yeah, I know. I see. I hear you to open it. And and listen, I don't want to open the church. and You tell me I can't sing. I don't want to open the church and I can't go up to people and hug them like I used to hug them. And, mm-hmm. you know, every time I see somebody I hadn't seen in five months, oh, I'm social distances. I, mm-hmm. I, I want to do all that. I, I, I. So as far as me and our church, what we're doing, all of our churches around the country, all of our international offices, I've instructed them that uh, let's figure out a way to stay connected. Let's figure out a way how to work at home. Let's figure out a way to continue to do what we need to do. My son's over the outreach, so we figured out a way to continue to serve the homeless. We're feeding people twice a week. We're having the COVID testing so people can come in and get their testing and everything done. Amen. So it's what it's what you know we have to do. We don't this is somebody said this is a new normal. Guys, I don't know if we're going back to the old. Yeah, neither do I. And I don't know if I really want to. If God's trying to push me forward to a new thing. Yeah. I don't want to fight him trying to go back to the old thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if I'm, I'm reaching and a lot of pastors I've talked to, they're reaching more people than they've ever reached before. Amen. Uh, some of them tell me that their their offerings are better over line than it's ever been before. Yeah. God knows how to talk, take care of us and, yeah. and do what needs to be done. But that's just where I stand with it. I, I, I hate it, but. I'm going to respect other people. I'm going to love other people. If all I got to do to show love to you is to wear a mask. Right. Uh, that 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 is something that I'm willing to do, because I think leaders are defined by their ability to unite people mm-hmm. and not divide people. I think mm-hmm. you have to add, you have to question leadership when it's when it's divisive. Yeah. But, You're speaking volumes right now. I'm back. Yeah. Yeah, but when you bring people together and you're walking in love and there's so much, I tell you, there's another, another pandemic going on. It's a pandemic of strife yeah. and, and emotions leading people to do stuff. And where there is envy and strife, there is there is confusion, confusion in all in our society. Mm-hmm. And then there's every evil work. There's confusion. I mean, today, our governor, yes. to our mayor, uh and b- b- because they, they they're they're making it mandatory to wear masks i mean are you kidding me yeah you know that's there's there's a spirit of division between the head of the state and the head of the city two of the most powerful people in georgia and you have to do that publicly yeah i'm, I'm just thinking like dude can you see what strife does yes strife when it is there satan can literally put you in captivity when you walk in strife and every evil work can take place. Yeah. Amen. So, you know, I don't know if that was the answer to your question. No, but no. It, it, I have it, a lot of stuff that's on my heart that I'm like, yeah, just, you know, I'm going to use our time tonight to get some of this stuff off my heart. But I'm, I'm preaching to people. Our, we got to walk in love. It, it, yes. I, we do. We yeah. do. And, and and that's that's our that's our daily challenge now to, to stay in love without allowing um us to react to things you know because it's so much to react to oh yeah there's so many dynamics that are going on right now 
And, um, you know, you mentioned politics and, and, you know, they don't mix with pandemic. And that's true because we'll find politics is another way for me to control you or, to, you know, so you pull you over to my side. So I say, I'll give you this and this and this if you do what I say over here. But people are dying. There's something bigger going on. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I look at it from the body of Christ standpoint, I'm just like blown, you know, blown away by it. I'm, I'm like this, um, like talking about racism in our country right now. Um, so I have the question, like this thing called racism, you know, it, it affects us with the corona in the same way. So what is it that the body of Christ, what is it that the body of Christ is not seeing that we've been seeing as African-Americans? Because some people have, as, as are calling meetings right now saying, I didn't know, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know you guys felt this way, and I'm seeing this all over it. So what do you think they weren't seeing? Well, let me take a deep breath. So I can <laughs> um, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I, I hear some, some uh, pastors say, well, uh, we didn't hear you now. We didn't hear you before, but we hear you now. Mm-hmm. And my attitude is, well, well, what do you think we were lying before? And uh, so, so let me let me just start at the bit at the beginning, so I won't go off on that. You know, okay. uh, uh, racism it literally is a quick judgment of a particular race, and then you 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 rate them, you rate them mm-hmm. uh, based on superiority or inferiority. Amen. Then you proceed with your partiality or your bias uh, put all that together racism is a is a spirit of hate uh magnify it well it's it's a spirit of division magnified in hate and when you when you look at this whole deal of 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 racism a spirit of division magnified in hate um this whole deal of you have four different races five different races it's a big lie uh, the book of Acts, chapter 17, I believe, verse 26 says that from one blood, God created us all. Amen. So we all have the same blood. And so from God's perspective, there's just one race mm-hmm. uh, with uh, different pigmentations. And somebody a long time ago decided, well, let's just divide it up into races and and make one superior over the other one and see what we can create. And, and, and first of all, we bought that big lie. So here's the deal. I thought at one time in my life in ministry that, hey, all we need to do is reconcile. All we need to do is reconcile. Hey, guys, come on, let's reconcile. Mm-hmm. And uh, back in the, oh, I think it was 19, in the, in the early 90s, I started preaching on reconciliation. Went around the country and had black people to stand in front of white people that hated each other, had them to reconcile. They cried and all that kind of stuff. But then I noticed that the years went by, it kind of ended up in the same thing. I mean, we're saying the same thing today as we did in the last situation and the last situation and the last yeah. situation. And so I'm now to the point I've lived long enough now and I have had more experiences now to now conclude that the issue is not really if black lives matter. The issue is are black lives equal? Because mm-hmm. what I've come to understand is that there is not going to ever be reconciliation between blacks and white until we first of all address equality between yeah. black and white 
And so trying to reconcile something without equality, you know, it, it's just not going to work. It won't work. And so what we have to do is really reconcile where we are right now today. And with the Constitution and Declaration of Independence, we got to we got to amend some things to try to achieve equality across the board because there's not equality. There's not equality in healthcare. There's not equality in housing. There's not equality in, in, in the, in the economy. There's not equality. It's not there. It's just not there. And uh, until we're willing to sit down and address equality, then I just don't know if reconciliation is going to be possible. Now let's talk about the church. You know, the, the church should not be revolving around the world to see what they're doing. The world should be revolving around the church to see what the church is doing. All mm-hmm. of the division you see, it was in the church first. There's racism yeah. in the church. Big time. There's Amen. a push for, you know, people want to say we want to have a diverse church, but diversity should more should be more than just having different colors in your pews. Yeah. If diversity in your church is going to be real, then equality's got to be real. So you got to take the the black pastor and you got to put him on the board. Don't just put him on the pulpit. Put him on the board so he can have some impact in the decision making process. Amen. If if we go around in the church and we ignore it and we won't we won't address it, we won't say anything about it, we want to act like it's not there. Yeah. Uh, and you know that's 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 bad because that what happens is all we're doing is putting a cover over the wound. Yeah. Now what happens? What happens when you put a cover on the wound? You yeah. produce a false identity. Mm-hmm. Wow. The identity is fake. Right. And, and it's not going to be real until you remove the cover from the wound and we deal. We come, let us reason together and we deal with those issues of inequality in the church. There's, my wife's been teaching on it. They thought she was crazy. There's inequality between male and female. There's inequality between blacks and whites. And the issue I'm having is that in Christ Jesus, there's not supposed to be inequality in Christ Jesus. That's where we're supposed to be equal. He says. Yeah. No more Jew or Greek, no more male or female, but, yes. but we're all one in Christ. And I'm like, how in the world can we not understand that we are Christian people acting like the world? The people and we exalt our political affiliations greater than we do our identity in Christ Jesus. Amen. You know what? What's 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 wrong with that? Yes, we've got to walk in. We got to walk in faith and we got to walk in love. But we can learn how to disagree agreeably. We can learn how to have conversations and learn more about one another and how you're thinking and how that person's thinking and stuff like that. And, and, you know, we have to be careful because when you look at the injustice that we suffered, I mean, I was the first black male to integrate an all white school in elementary. And, you know, I, I, you know, I'll never forget how that was. I had two white guys who they hated black people. And so, I would go to the bathroom and and they decided well, we're going to take this black guy. And we're going to urinate on him. And of course, I would let that happen. I mean, you picked the wrong one. You yeah. Know? Amen. And uh, I walked into a teacher in the fourth grade and heard her say that, you know, he's black. We can't expect for him to make any higher than a D. And I had to work real hard so I can make straight A's because I'm, I'm, I'm going to prove. And so what happens is, you know, my father was one of the black first black policemen on the police force. And I saw how that was abused. And I came up with that all of all of my life. And yet as a Christian, I'm, I'm willing to forgive my my first uh, the son. I told you that I, that I adopted. He's a white kid. I have white grandkids. And so I have white people in my family. 
Right. Um, and, but it it it, has, it 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 brought back a lot of pain. It brought back a lot of um, little trauma that the stuff that we had to go through. Uh, and I had to make sure I didn't allow myself to get angry and to, to allow rage to come forth because you will never accomplish anything impactful in anger. You're yeah. never going to accomplish anything uh, that's worth something in anger. Now, somebody said to me, well, you know, the Bible says be angry, but sin not. That's not what he was talking about. He says be angry at the things of the devil. Be angry at injustice. Be angry at sickness. Be angry at disease. Be angry at those things. But don't let the anger control you because if you let your emotions loose and they control you, then you, you're the weakest man in the world. Oh, the weakest man in the world is a man that cannot control his emotions. Amen. And so that, that's basically why I feel. What do I think the answer is? I think the answer is, you know, what you what you guys are doing right now, having a conversation about it. Uh, being all right to disagree agreeably. I think disagreeing is good. I mean, it makes everybody go back to the starting point and rethink what they thought, you know, all along. Mm -hmm. But uh, I am determined that I am going to walk in love no matter what. I'm determined that I'm not going to let hatred is going to be in, in the hearts of some people until Jesus come back. Racism is going to be in the hearts of people until Jesus come back. So that's why I don't have a problem in supporting laws to hold people accountable who don't want to try and change their hearts. Amen. I am concerned about that type of racism being in the hearts of people who call themselves Christians yes. and denying everything that the Bible tells them to do as far as walking in love is concerned. And then in some cases, it's just ignorant. I had my spiritual dad to tell me, he said, he said, Creplo, your parents spent a lot of time teaching you how to understand how a white man thinks. Mm -hmm. So that you would understand that he says, but my white parents didn't think it was uh, uh, a good use of their time to teach me how a black man thinks. He mm -hmm. says, well, sometimes when I say something out of my mouth that sounds stupid, it's because I never was trained to understand how a black man thinks. While, well, where you guys were trained, trained to understand how a white man thinks. And I never heard that before. I thought, well, mm -hmm. praise God. That's something good. That's something to consider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, um, we, I mean, looking at everything that's going on right now, I'm talking in the body of Christ. Uh, you know, as I was like blown away because you, we all know that Dr. Fred Price Sr. was commissioned by God to preach for over a year. It's awesome, man. But you, what wasn't it? it was awesome. <laughs> over a year, and you know, yeah. But then we, you know, we, we, as you said, we come forward, and it's like we can just go back and play the tapes over again, almost. Yeah. Yeah, fresh and relevant mm -hmm. today as it was when he did it. Amen. Amen. Yeah, his, his son was just on with us not too long ago, and he was um, we was going over that, and he and you know he was saying, just like his dad said, the answer is Jesus, but we're not yielding to him to let love show. We still are hiding behind a constitution. We, we're hiding behind Romans thirteen, but Romans thirteen tells us that um, the these people were put in in place. To execute goodness and righteousness, not to execute um, evil. It's not for us to agree with evil of the land. It was to, to do goodness that that God had placed them in, you know, all the leaders in to um, to oversee us. So, uh, you know, and because a lot of people hide behind that scripture to say, "Hey, well, I put them in order. I mean, put them in office. So we got to, you know, we we got to fall in line." I was like, "Well, 
we didn't think that so much when Barack Obama was in the office, but now it's like now everybody wants to fall in line and some people are not wearing masks, as you said. And it's just like and, and it's not to bash the um who's in office, but we have to consider the things that we're doing yeah. and then expecting a godly result. You know what I mean? It's it's like it's almost two stories. Yeah, I've got to be, you know, we refer to all of our churches and offices and everybody around the world. We refer to them as the world changes nation. And mm -hmm. I've got to be, I've got to be a, you know, I've got to lead well to make sure that those guys are doing what they need to do. And, and, uh, and even, you know, you know, if my, my political leaders are not doing what they need to do, I pray for them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, if I see that I can no longer trust the decisions that you are making and it is costing people their lives. Yeah. Then I've got to step up and, and be a better leader to do what needs to be done. And and I and I think that's the deal. It, it's gotten so out of whack. Every politician should have a spiritual leader. I mean, a good one that he respects enough to listen and to yeah. line up with, not somebody that's just saying and uh, I, I, again, we are now revolving around the uh, political leaders and they should be revolving around the church. And that's that's not happening. And so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to pray for my my president, my governors, my mayors. I'm going to pray for all of them. But I'm also going to pray as a leader. Father, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to say? Yes. I need to preach. I felt like I needed to deal with the racism issue. So I did a series on the ministry of reconciliation, the real ministry of reconciliation. Amen. And, uh, I just think that it's 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 now everybody having to set a standard. The Bible says we're the salt of the earth. We should we should be the season. We should be the season, not Washington. Uh, right. Should be the season. We are the light of the world. Yes. We should be the light, mm -hmm. uh, and we are. And we've got to understand what that means. That means we should carry the right kind of influence that other people and other leaders should want to look at us, and they would want to take our advice, and they would want to take our lead on things. But right now, the world is in such strife. I mean, the last thing they're thinking about is what a preacher has to say about it, or what the word has to say. I mean. Look at the many divisions we have just amongst Christians, all the hundreds of different Baptists and all this stuff. We can't even if the church can't even come together uh, on a lot of issues. I mean, no wonder you look at the world and they're having a hard time coming together. So the divisions everywhere. The strife is everywhere. Yeah. But if a few of us, if a church here and a person here and a person there that we come together and say, you know what, we're Christians. We're going to operate in love. We're going to operate in, in, in forgiveness. We're going to confront the issues. We're going to address what we need to address, but we're going to still love you. Our love is going to be lasting long and doing what we need to do. And I just think it's got to start somewhere. So Tap and I got together. We said, you know what? We're going to get our emotions together because one while we were out there, we were like, you know, and when I saw this guy die to the knee and call for his mama, I'm like, oh, heck no. And yeah. I'm, I mean, I mean, my whole everything just kind of changed. I'm on I'm on talk shows and I'm just going at it. And then I had to pull back and say, boy, listen to yourself. You, you got to, You got to calm down your 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 emotions. And, and I mean, I, I cried when I when I first saw that, that I, you know, how the tear fall out your eye and you didn't. Need, and I yeah. just couldn't believe I was watching this. But yes. that didn't start then. It goes all the way back a few years when the guy got stopped in his car and the policeman 
shot him and and and, and I and I cried, you know, then and I'm thinking, I am tired of this, but what am I gonna accomplish in anger? Yeah, what am I gonna accomplish in rage? I cannot allow society to use my anger against me mm -hmm. or to use rage against me. I am a Christian. I have Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So I need to open my Bible up and I need to see how to carry myself in the middle of this. Jesus faced racism. There was a racism between the Sumerians and the Jewish people. Big time. And uh, I mean, the well, that one block, that one guy who had leprosy that came back to give God glory, he was a Samaritan. The Bible says even a Samaritan came back to give him glory. Yeah. And so I, I want to, I want to, I had to sit back and say, what kind of man of God do you want to be? What kind of Christian do you want to be? Yeah, I, I want to be one with with uh, with temperance and self-control and love. And I want to represent who Jesus is. But at the same time, I want to be able to give counsel. And, and, and I've had some of our, our political leaders to call me on the phone and they ask, well, what do you think about this? And how do you think we should handle this? So forth and so on. And um, and so that's been a blessing. But uh, I, I just want to be I'm, I'm going I'm going to be a representation of the light, the salt. And the city that's on the hill, and I think yeah. that if we get ourselves together, because we got a lot of work to do in our own community, yes, a lot of work to do in our own community. Yes, we do. A lot of work to do in our own. Pastor Dollar, do you think that defunding the police is going to help reform the police? No, uh, uh, I, I just you know I understand what they're they're trying to do, but it's like listen. When somebody shooting up something in your house and Ray Ray and them going crazy and Pooka and them try to break in your house, you want to make sure the police have everything they need to come and help you out. <laughs> I think when it comes to police, we, we had a group of people where I had the NAACP in Georgia there, a couple of police chiefs there, and we talked about what do we need to do. And back in that time, uh, we were talking about neighborhood policing, and that's fine, but we want to go all the way back to the selection of an individual. So how do you, how, what's your selection process? Uh, we talked about some psychological testing. Yeah. We can test the stress levels. We're talking about deep background checks so we can see if there's any history of racism or potential racism in what you're doing. And we also talk about uh, 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 more training, but everybody says more training, but more training where and how that I don't want to take a white policeman who has not been trained in understanding the psyche of black people and put him in that neighborhood. Amen. I, when my dad was a policeman, my dad service, there was two black guys, three black guys, and uh, they service all the black areas and the college mm -hmm. park department would uh, only let them serve those areas because they knew they didn't have an understanding of it. And uh, they know they know how to treat Ray Ray. You know, Ray Ray get drunk every Friday. We don't need to pull a gun on. He's just drunk. Let's just get him and do what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You take a white guy who doesn't understand that, grew up in another neighborhood, and then you give him the assignment for the wrong neighborhood. Yeah. He's that as a threat to his life. It really wasn't what he did. He thought it was a threat to his life because he rolled up in there and they're black and they, you know, their families used to looking at cops every Friday night and it's adding to that that mentality of, oh, my God, they're blacks. You look at the news. Oh, my God, they're blacks. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking at uh, there's one thing that's just really not working well. And the fact that if a policeman, uh, if there is a uh, complaint on that policeman and maybe come up with a system that after two complaints, then we need to deal with something. But 
so far when something's happened and you look at his background, oh, there have been eight complaints on this complete. Why did it have to go to eight? Eight, right. yeah. Yeah, to do that. Why didn't you address certain things at two or or evaluation or counseling? And what happens when a policeman is under stress? My father, I saw him, was in a shootout one time, came on under stress. There was so much trauma. And I'm like, how do you deal with somebody who's been in stress? Should there be a period of time before you put them back on the streets as a result of what they've gone through? So the conversation is is taking place right now. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, after the conversation, there needs to be a real um, legitimate protocol put together that starts at police selection mm-hmm. all the way up to police training and police psychological evaluation. And that evaluation may need to be more than just at the beginning. It may be need to be periodically throughout the thing, because if you have a trauma situation come up and you do a psych test, it's going to come out different after a trauma than maybe before a trauma. And that should say some things to the leadership of the police department. So there are lots of things that could be done. I think the church can take part in that. They can get together with their local police chiefs and to start this conversation and begin to draft some things that uh, will set some protocols in that area for uh, for their community as well. Amen. Amen. When I look at the, you know, I'm in Philadelphia. We up here, we had Rizzo up here. And I, I know it's worse in the South, but the things that I've seen, I truly believe that a lot of those police officers shouldn't be rehired who had these backgrounds that that just, you know, they just come in, in, in neighborhoods and terrorize. It's like they're allowed to get away with so much. We go to Castile and when they just open up fire, why his daughter's in the back seat? I'm like, why I wanted why was that officer so afraid? I'm like there's there's not a survey of, of, of black men killing white officers. It's not it's not like some some numbers out here like it's an attack against police. And I'm just wondering like what is wrong? And when I see the so from the church perspective, I'm just looking at the church and I'm saying all this has been going on all the while, and we'll stand up at a abortion clinic and we'll call it what it is. And but God said, I hate the shedding of innocent blood. He never babies is included in that, but so was Uriah, who happened to be a minority. So <laughs> I'm just baffled by the behavior of Christians. I'm just saying, well, what is that? Did you bring out such an amazing point with that as far as innocent blood, and we just automatically assume that it's dealing with a baby. Yeah, that is dealing with abortion. But, you know, I had a friend of mine and we were in a meeting uh, with a, a national representative of uh, one of the parties and he he came out and he just said, wait a minute. What about my blood? My blood innocent. And I'm thinking, wow, I never did think about that before. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, what you just addressed is something that we we need to take note of. We need to really look at some things that are going on. And it may be the pastors that have to really initiate these conversations um, and insist on having these conversations and insist that these political leaders go back to understanding that you are a public servant. Amen. You are not not put in office uh, for yourself. And I think that pride that comes with the position is an over exaggeration of your self-importance. But what you are, you are a servant to me. And you are a servant to my community. And when we want a meeting, we demand a meeting and you find time to give us the meeting and here are the things that we want. It may it may need to be the pastors to really do a strong 
deal. And I've been frustrated because of the pandemic, which now people can use as an excuse. Well, we can't have a meeting right now or the pandemic that says, well, I want to get all these folks together. Ah, oh, well, you got a, a pandemic going on right now. Yeah. Or a pandemic, we wanted to do a Christian mark down down Old National Highway where we lived at. But, you know, oh, I don't feel comfortable because of the, the pandemic. And so that's been that's been pretty frustrating for me um, as far as what I want to do. So we've got to kind of reevaluate our approach to try to get some things done. But I, I would like to see pastors all over the country um uh, stand up and take more of a leadership role. Yes. Without without the title. No, you're not the mayor. No, you're not the governor. Amen. But I still think you need to take a leadership role in doing some of the things. And and that's just where I am right now. I um I am no stranger to publicity or people trying to dog you out or all that stuff. My yeah. is hardened. Uh, I got my big boy pants on. It doesn't bother me when people say <laughs> about me. I mean, that comes with the territory. I mean, if you think it's going to be in agreement with you, you're in deception. And uh, you'll Thank never you. be able to do anything worthwhile because you're doing things so that people can validate you instead of doing things out of the pureness of your heart. When you do things out of your heart and you don't need anybody's validation, that's a really good thing. But if you're only doing it because you can get validation that you probably need to back up and ask yourself, why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. No, but Pastor, I, I really thank you because for this, because the, you, not only your candor, but just speaking to the issue, you know, because when I look at, once again, the body of Christ, I'm saying, which, which I'm looking at myself when I do this, but I'm saying to myself, like, like, what is wrong with us? Why why can't we unite? It's like we're having the same problem that the world has had. You, you said a mouthful. Yeah. Let's listen. You, I mean, what you just said, the Bible in Ephesians uses this word peripheral in the message translation. Uh-huh. And it keeps, it keeps referring to the fact that we are revolving around the world instead of the world revolving around us. Now, that is the truth, but you've got to ask yourself, why is it that the world no longer wants to revolve around the church? Mm. We've got to look into an honest mirror and say, okay, well, how have we been presenting ourselves? Yeah. Uh, why is it that they don't trust the church? Uh, and, you know, when you talk about rightly dividing the word and when you hear people say stuff like you're going to go to hell because you got a tattoo, eh, that, that, that's concerning, you know, yeah. or you hear people say, you know, uh, that if you if you give ten dollars, God's going to bless you in an hour. I, you know, that that that's kind of concerning. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, dude, I'm not I'm not trying to be a part of that. You know what, what's going on? <laughs> you know, they don't. Let me show you how people respect the ministry right now. They respect it so much that you can literally go online and get qualifications to marry people. That's how much they respect preaching. Amen. They, they respect people that, that much that you can go online and get your own, what is it, ordination? You can be ordained online to marry somebody. Amen. And that just says to me, wow, you really don't respect the, the, the gospel ministry at all. You would rather just take somebody and go online and do it, and they can do the things that a real man of God is supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, as I said, you know, some things are, um, are, are, are very you know disturbing but i want that trust back in, in our neighborhood i want the respect for the men of god it seemed like we 
we're falling not only under um, these these three categories of uh, Democrat, Republican, and Independent. Um, truthfully, I, I tell people the truth. I, I kind of shoot from the hip pass. I say I don't think any of those officers ever did anything for black people on a whole. I mean, that's really telling because basically, as you said, we're we're revisiting everything back over again. Uh, we can actually read um, Dr. King's letter from Birmingham. You know what I mean? Uh, when he was in the Birmingham prison. I'm sorry. So it's like, you know, I'm just like with with us. I just feel that we have to get together and, as you say, have that conversation behind closed doors as Christians and then come back out and say, okay, this is going to be our game plan. Because whether you dealing with yourself as a racist or as a, or as someone who have, may have something against white people, because we have things against white people as well, we have to deal with that. That's a matter of the flesh that we have to deal with. We have to come to terms with it, but we won't have to. Uh, but we still are called to serve the public, even in the mess that we're in in our heart. At that very moment, two things are going on. You know, I don't want to feed this person in front of me, but I'm doing it because the Lord told me to do it. And as we do that, I'll, I think we'll find some type of um, change that will happen through our actions. Amen. Let me throw something out there. You you bought it up. I'm just going to throw it out. And, you know, you can do what you want to do with it. But you know, I was in Australia and um, they got together and started their own party. And I don't understand why Hispanics, Native Americans wow, cool. and um, um, Hispanics and Native Americans, African-Americans and Christian people can't come together and form their own party and call it the Lamb Party. I don't I don't I don't understand why we can't. Wow. Do that. Why do we have to put up with two predominant parties and we're still I mean look at our choices. Our choices are are two older white gentlemen. Yes. And and it's like okay and and you know you you have you know, I don't I don't see why that hadn't been done. Now I don't see why you you take Hispanics that are going to be the largest percentage after a while. Eventually, you take um, Native Americans who have been done so terribly wrong. Yeah. Uh, you know, discovering something when somebody was already living there. It's just like saying you come in my house and say I discovered this house. Exactly. No, I, I don't I don't understand that. Uh, Native Americans, Hispanics, Black Americans, and Christians yeah. uh, who believe in. In, in the in the the um in the truth of, of God's word and you know electing from that party your own candidate that will represent you uh it, it it's it, it amazes me why that conversation has not taken place or maybe it's taken place behind closed doors but uh I, I think that we are in a time now that you know I would like to see a a, a very powerful third party, come up uh, other than, you know, the independence. I don't even know what that means, but I'm talking about a third party that has a platform that each of those ethnic groups will have a part in establishing that platform. And each of those ethnic groups plus the Christian can come together to do what needs to be done. I guarantee you we would give, we would give, we would give any party a run for their money, if not absolutely, completely, totally dominate. And I think everybody knows that that can happen but through a spirit of division just keeps us apart and we don't see the real power that we have. If, uh, yeah. if native American Christians come together with Hispanic Christians and 
black Christians. And oh my God, you you wouldn't be able to stop us. You wouldn't be able to stop us. It, it would be it, it would be awesome. But I, I think this thing that stops us because it's it like intrinsically we still want to be liked by them. We still want to be accepted. We want we want a pat on the head, a pat on the back. And we feel like when we get that, then now I really feel like, you know, like the, the, the power is in me. It's something that has been ingrained in us from, I hate to keep saying from slavery, but it is, it comes from slavery. It, it's just a sense of approval that, you know, if, if it looks like that, it, you know, if I see Justin Timberlake dance like that, it's really cool. But if I see a brother dance like that, it's like, ah, I've seen them all, I've seen them all, you know, so. Which is why we got to get our approval from God. Amen. Our identity issues with Jesus. And if we allow Jesus to settle our identity issues, like I said before, we won't have to pursue validation from somebody else because we know who we are in Christ. This issue of equality, I don't need you to tell me I'm equal to you. I receive that by faith, whether you tell me or not. I'm equal to you. I don't need a white guy to tell me I'm equal to him. I already know I'm equal to him. Exactly. But he may not feel like I'm equal to him, but I already know I'm equal to him. Yes. And I don't I don't need him to validate me as being equal. Uh, I received that by faith to do that. I'm not going to wait for you to say, yes, you are equal to me. Oh, yeah. yes, uh, thank you for telling me that. No, I already know I'm equal to you because I know who I am in, in Christ. Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. We do have a question. Good question. Yeah, go ahead, Ray. I'm sorry. Um, we have a question um, from, attorney. It, from attorney Christopher Signal. And he says, how do, how do you deal with the culture of the Confederacy being in the South and having white members? Um, we go all the way back to history and understand that uh, the spirit of division in uh, in our nation mm -hmm. started right there with people who wanted their slaves and people who thought it was a sin to have slaves. So that spirit of division was planted back there in that whole particular time. And so it was amazing to me to see the same division that was responsible for the Civil War mm -hmm. to crop his head up. At, at this particular time and all of those symbols and everything represented the entire reason why the war took place in the first place. One side said we wanted our slaves because we want our economy to be what it needs to be. Right. The other side said that, you know, we don't believe in it. The other side on the church side says, you yeah, know, we're going to preach sermons to, 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 to oppress uh, slaves and to make them think that this is the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. And the North decided that wasn't being done. So when, when you when you see that and, and I'm living, you know, I mean, I've got a, a theme park that has uh, General uh, Lee on it and, mm -hmm. and, and a Confederate army right as the symbol of the whole. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is very, 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 very frustrating. But the other day I thought about something. I said, you know what? I understand what people feel like not wanting those things there. But if you can come and sit down at a table and leave leave that Confederate symbol up and then add to it the plaque of why that was wrong <laughs> and put the black man's view on top of that, it would speak even stronger because what it would say is, here's why we think this is wrong or this is why we have a problem with it. And boom, look at the symbol right here that we have a problem with. 
Amen. I think that that would have been even probably more powerful than taking it down. Although I understand people's emotions to want to remove it. Mm -hmm. Boy, what would happen if I actually took that symbol and said, this symbol right here, uh, the truth behind this symbol was it represents this, it represents that, it oppressed black people, it did that, it did that, it did that, remember. Oh man, that's oh, a message now to me. So, yeah. Like, oh yeah, keep your symbols, but all I ask is that I can put the symbol. The captions have to what yeah. that really is. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the captions tell have the to tell the truth about, about it. Amen. Right. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can put a statue of this guy up, but then I want to put something right by it that explains to you what the real deal is with that guy so you can remember all of your time as you see that i want you to see what that was i want you to take the x on a confederate flag and i want you to explain that that x me out because i was a black man amen right i think if we come together and sit down and really calm down we can come up with some extremely amazing ingenious ways to put our message out mm-hmm. in such uh, an intelligent way that even the hateful heart would have to congratulate you for being able to do it that particular way. So how do I deal with that culture of the Confederacy uh, being here in the South? Uh, very carefully, because it, it is it is disturbing. Uh, but, you know, for me, I look at it and I explain to my kids now, baby, here's what that means. Here's what that really means. I know it, I know they're it, it's trying to they're trying to portray it as a heroic type of deal, but let me show you what was going on and get the history books and look at it. And I see the impact it has on my kids and they understand, oh, I know who that guy is on, on Stone Mountain. I know exactly what he did and how he did it and stuff like that and so forth. But uh, I definitely understand. I mean, the NAACP head here in, in the in our state, they uh, led the charge for the removal of some of those things. But yeah, we can remove it and, and all that kind of stuff. But my major concern is how can we remove some stuff out of your heart and we go back to the church? How can we change your heart and we go back to the church? How can we change your mindset and we go back to the church? Amen. A big part in this. And they need to step up and, and begin to renew the minds of people mm-hmm. instead of everybody trying to see if they can be Martin Luther King all over again. Abiding the calling that you have, abiding the anointing you have, do what we were called to do, preach the gospel so people's minds can be renewed in love. And I think we'll see a lot of great things happen because people are mad. They are angry. They are livid. They are enraged. We understand it. We understand the pain and the stuff that they're going through. But what am I going to really accomplish by allowing another group to use my rage against me? Yeah. Yeah, we 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 have we so do- after the anger now what exactly yes we have- exactly. yeah 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 because we're, we're going to be angry but you know and we should be because of what's going on but you you're right we have to in order to change legislation we have to have a clear mind to know what we're going to do and how we're going to formulate i think that we should shut down things with, with our spending and everything i if we, oh, will, man. That's if we really do that yeah we can really we really can catch it but I know the church, even more, I, I know I'm, I'm going to get shot down for saying this, 
even more than black people, if the church would stand up and be a leader because of the spiritual authority that we have, mm -hmm. we would change it quicker. And that's where I always find my um like some people who always, you know, they, they keep letting these politics mix, like you said, it doesn't mix with a pandemic. But if they would just stand up and just say what the truth is, that it would they would be everything would be better off. Things right. really take a change. You're right. You know, we got to go from demonstration to legislation. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I, I go back to what we just discussed. Yeah. Black people are very weary and tired of church. Yeah. For some black people, church has meant hurt. It's meant abuse. It's meant just some of the most egregious things that have happened in church because, you know, We've allowed people who are not even qualified or anointed to stand in places of authority and in pulpits. They open the Bible up. They they don't understand it well enough to teach it correctly. And and all it is is condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. And eventually you wake up one day and you decide, I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, well, you're going to go to hell because you did that. You're going to go to hell because you did that. And you're not enough here. And God's going to get you for that. Yeah. And God's going to punch you for that. And you can't do that and keep doing it over and over and over again and expect for people to, 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 to remain and expect for them to, to, uh, to have respect and confidence. I would leave too. If, if I'd have never understood the gospel of grace, I'd have quit church. I would have just said, I'm done. I'm of ministry. Something's wrong. This is crazy. I, mean, I, I, I had, I had this Christianity disorder where, you know, I thought, well, you know, I had to fast for, 20 days instead of two or God's mad at me because I couldn't pray but 50 minutes and I didn't make that hour or or God's going to get me because I didn't bring my tithe in. And, you know, I gave $10, but it was $10 and 26 cents and I didn't pay the 26 cents. And so now God's going to judge me. And because we've not rightly divided the word of truth and we put people under the law and 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 frustrated them and and, and literally created hopelessness. Well, they would come to church to get hope. They came to church. They got condemned. You know, somebody have a baby. We crucified them. Uh, somebody messed up. We crucified them. Somebody struggling with their sexuality. We preach on them and crucify them. Yeah. Who wants to come? Who wants to come? Busted up every single Sunday. And so, you know, here's the issue here. How do you reconcile that? I mean, you're talking to a bunch of people who are not under any type of authority. They don't, they're not submitted to anybody They're They don't have any spiritual parents. They're not accountable to anybody. And they just go out and say what they want to say, misrepresent everything. And then once you've gone through that abuse, then you're like kind of through with church and you put everybody in the same basket. And so what do we do? We, we, you know, and this is my frustration. It's like, you know, I've had a lot of stories put in public. Half of them were just so wrong. And just people just, you're talking about fake news. And I'm just like, I'm not going to go out and defend myself in a lot of cases because I feel like a, a man who has to defend himself will always be average. Now, there were certain things I had to speak on and talk about because it was just stupid and ludicrous, you know, to do what needs to be done. There are people who still think I got a cash machine in the lobby of the church. There are people who still think that my real name is Michael Smith. There are people who, who still think that I have a $65 million airplane. There are people who still, I mean, it's just crazy. And, and people are going to think what they, what they want to think. And you just go on and preach the word. But if you're preaching the truth and you're preaching it uh, in love and you're, and you're preaching this gospel of grace, 
then you know what? God will work through all of that stuff and, and do what needs to be done. So what you present is a huge issue. It's a huge issue because we can't even come together and we can't, even, we can't even disagree. We can't even say, hey, bro, check your doctrine out. That, that That's not quite right. Let's look at let's sit down and look at the word together and, and see if you want to be saying stuff like that. We can't do that. Why? Because we're experiencing uh, uh, rejection in our own life. We're insecure people in our own lives. We got emotional issues in our own lives. And so we wear a collar and we make it seem like we're perfect. So we can't be, you know, open with our congregations because, you know, it's just a big, gigantic cesspool. Yeah, isn't it? That we have to believe God to help us to figure it out, to use just a few people, maybe a few ministries, maybe to go out and hopefully set some examples for stuff because we think success is having a lot of people. That's not always. There's a difference between inflammation and growth. Inflammation comes when you wound yourself and then you you can get inflammation that way. But I'm more concerned about um, I'm more instead of about, uh, church growth, I'm more concerned about church health, because if you are a healthy church, you will eventually grow. But if you're all if you're just pursuing growth in, 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 in light of making sure that people are healthy, then eventually you just have inflammation and inflammation comes and goes. Amen. So, Please forgive me for just, but I'm. You just, you just put on a table this humongous issue <laughs> of why the church doesn't have been walking the influence that they should be walking in. Amen, amen. Yeah, I know. I'll pass. I see it. I, I, I was here. I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you so much. No, I thank you. I don't want to hold you. I, I'm like my dad. I sit here and listen to you. My dad knew he was go boom, 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 boom. He, he, my dad would have him Cosby moments. I still like Cosby. You know, he would just talk, and you just, you got to sit there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But no, but uh, we, no, I just want to say we do thank you for yes. what you're doing. I, I mean, I'll just say this to you. I remember uh, a few years back when we interviewed you on the radio, and um, and we thank you for that yes. so much. But I asked you a question um, because you know you have a huge ministry, and and I said. And you had just you had just started talking about the gospel of grace more so, and God was really doing something new. And I said, "Well, what made you um, implement? You know, I man, really start teaching on that." And you said, "Because I wasn't seeing the results that I was looking for." And I, I'm, I'm telling you, those words changed my life because it made me appreciate you. Yeah, because something it's, it's nothing when you have nothing to, to lose. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you have nothing to lose, it's all right. But when you have millions of people listening to you, thousands of people in your presence, it it it, it said it spoke volumes to me, and I thank you for that. I I truly do. Oh, I, I appreciate you guys so much. I mean, even back then, I understand now that the most important thing in my life as a Christian is a personal relationship with Jesus. That I'm in this not because of what I can get out of it. I'm in it for the very intimacy that i have with the father that whether i have a church after this is over with or not i still will always have a relationship with jesus and that's what matters to me amen amen, amen. amen. because he is faithful because he's faithful tell people i tell i said people say, I, I did this i paid my time i said look at the end of the day just know he's still gonna come through on his part of the deal 
I don't care what you do. <laughs> yes, amen. Yes, amen. Praise God. Amen. I just love it. But we thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank we you. We love you. Tell uh, Pastor Taffy, we thank her. And, um, and and for those who don't know, your wife discovered Cat and Jones. And I, I'm so glad she let me say that on air with her. Because people don't know. Like, they see Cat and Jones when he was hot and he was coming out. But you know, through your record label, Arrow Records, I mean, awesome, awesome, awesome. You guys are yes. awesome. We love you guys. Yes. Well, we appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for using what God has given you to take good news to people, to cause us to think, to cause us to reevaluate ourselves, to cause us to maybe even back up and say, you know what, I'm thinking differently about this particular thing. And I just praise God for you guys. So I know and feel great because I, I know two people right now that are doing it the way it needs to be done. So y'all just keep doing it. Thank you Thank so you. much. We, we love you, Pastor. God bless. Have a good night. God bless you. Thank you. Enjoy. Amen. Good night. Amen. That was Amen. the one and only Pastor Creflo Dollar. We thank yes. him so much for coming on with us. We are, I mean, woo. I'm, I'm going to be up all night. I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> Look, we love you guys. We thank, thank you guys, guys for listening and tuning in. Tuning in tomorrow night. Woo. Once again, we have somebody else coming to you. It's going to be the one and only Kevin Downswell. He's a Jamaican Christian artist. Awesome brother. Worship. He has a, a R&B pop flavor. He got a little bit of everything. It's going to be awesome. Christian Our, music. Christian music. It's going to be hot. We just lighten it up. Awesome God Radio. Woo! Thank Boom! Thank you for being on the scene. The best. Yes. Uh, 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 urban, uh, <laughs> urban Gospel Radio. Boom! G-Town Radio. 92.9 FM in Philly. Boom! These are the stations that we come on. So Prosper Radio in Dallas, Texas. These Boom. are the stations that we come on. Praise <laughs> the Hallelujah. Taking this joint by storm because the Holy Ghost is all around us and he wants you to know that he loves you. Amen. Amen. You don't you mean you know you mean the world to God. Amen. And, and I want we you love to know, you and we thank you. Thank you so much. All right, we see you guys tomorrow night with Kevin Downs. Well, thank you guys. We Brother out. We out. Peace. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs>